This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. If you've been following the details of the DOJ's case against Donald Trump for his mishandling of classified documents, it will come as no surprise that Jack Smith is a supremely competent and confident prosecutor. While he is yet to speak publicly about the case, he did show his cards on Thursday when the Justice Department turned over all the evidence it has collected against Trump to his defense attorneys. This was clearly a flex by Smith, who was not required to turn over the evidence yet, but did so anyway, a clear indication that he wants Trump to know just how strong a case he has against him. The result was a manic plea to its MAGA supporters to save his guilty ass from prison. Congress, please investigate the political witch hunt against me currently being brought by the corrupt DOJ and FBI, who are totally out of control. By the way, all in caps. The former president also dusted off the idea that the DOJ framed him, framed him by planting the classified material at Mar-a-Lardo, despite the fact that he's claimed repeatedly that he magically declassified the material before bringing it to Florida himself. And I quote, Congress will hopefully now look at the ever-continuing witch hunts and election interference against me on perfectly legal boxes, where I have no doubt that information is being secretly planted by the scoundrels in charge, Donald wrote in another post before griping about his myriad of legal woes. The evidence the DOJ turned over last week includes more recordings of the former president, the former fucking idiot-in-chief, which described it as interviews recorded with his consent. The evidence also includes grand jury witness testimony, which means Trump now knows who testified against him and what they said, as well as material obtained through subpoena. And Trump, to put it delicately, is crapping in his diapers. He went on to whine that this continuing saga is retribution against me for winning. And, even more importantly to them, election interference regarding the 2024 presidential election. It will be their updated form of rigging our most important election. Look at the polls. They can't beat me, MAGA. At the ballot box, the only way they can win is to cheat. Stop them now. And once again, all in caps and lots of exclamation marks. The discovery order filed by the DOJ lists several pieces of evidence, including the audio recordings and written statements of interviews that Trump conducted with non-government entities at his consent that had been obtained by Smith's office. The Justice Department also mentions an audio recording made in July of 2021 at Trump's Bedminster Golf Course in New Jersey that was previewed in the indictment. Other pieces of evidence listed in the discovery include grand jury testimony of witnesses who will testify for the government at the trial of this case. Federal prosecutors did not provide specific names of the witnesses in Trump's indictment, but often describe the unnamed sources as Trump employee number one or Trump attorney number one. 
A reference to a Trump family member is also included in the indictment. Hey, wouldn't that be fucking funny if I was right? That Jared was actually the one that was leaking the shit? This list of names, according to my sources, is what truly triggered Trump into a rage. If you know him like I do, he is absolutely seething that there is a list of people who testified against him, but nothing that he can do about it. The question now is whether or not he can keep his fucking mouth shut. Smith already was granted a motion that Trump could under no circumstances release any information about the case. That means he can't hector those who testified against him in a public or talk about evidence in any way. And you just know that he will no matter what. I mean, the man is a walking contempt of court charge, unable to shut his fucking mouth for even five minutes. Only this time, if he runs his mouth, it could land his fat ass in jail. All of this comes on the heels of Trump's colorlessly stupid fucking dumb Fox News interview of the former president gave to anchor Brett Baer. Trump, who continues to admit guilt on television, told Baer that he was too busy to separate the documents sought by the National Archives from his personal items that were stored within the dozens of boxes that he took from the White House to Mar-a-Lardo. And here's his quote. Because I had boxes, I wanted to go through the boxes and get all of my personal things out, Trump said. I don't want to hand that over to Nara yet, and I was very busy, as you've sort of seen. I mean, Bear noted that the indictment alleges that he told his aide, Walt Nada, to move the boxes to other locations after telling his lawyers to say he'd fully complied with the subpoena when guess what? He hadn't. Before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out, Trump replied. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things. Bear also then went on and pressed Trump hard on the recording cited in the indictment in which Trump discusses a plan for a potential attack on Iran, but says he cannot show it to others because it is not declassified. And again, here's his quote. There was no document. That was a massive amount of papers and everything else talking about Iran and other things. And it may have been held up, or it may not. But that was not a document, Trump told Bear. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things. Golf shirts, pants, shoes, all sorts of things. I mean, seriously, Donald? But no Iran war plans, according to Trump, who comes across as a weird fucking hoarder. I mean, that belongs on the TV show. More concerned about his sweaty fucking golf shirts and his oversized trousers than with national security. The fact that he continues to talk in this manner, I mean, it boggles the mind and it poses a nightmare for his current attorneys. The defendant seems utterly incapable of exercising his constitutional right to remain silent, tweeted George Conway in utter total disbelief. Now, for those still on the fence and think this is much ado about nothing, well, guess what? It's not. Trump is trying to make it seem that way by running his mouth about golf shirts and other crap, but the fact is that the evidence, the clear evidence shows that Trump's actions were blatant in their disregard for the law and his attempts to obstruct it after the fact. 
The startling collection of covert material referred to in the indictment, I mean, it should send shivers up your spine. It includes documents about United States domestic nuclear programs, potential vulnerabilities to an attack on the homeland, as well as plans for retaliatory strikes on foreign adversaries. So that's why I say if it doesn't send shivers up your spine, you're fucked up. In the sharpest language possible, the indictment explained just how dangerous this was. The unauthorized disclosure of these classified documents could put at risk the national security of the United States, foreign relations, the safety of the United States military and human sources, and the continued viability of sensitive intelligence collections methods. So, what is Trump doing to defend himself against these unassailable charges? Well, here's what he's gonna do. Blame Hillary Clinton. Because why not, right? I mean, Donald is never accountable. It's always someone else. And why wouldn't deranged Jack Smith look at Hillary's 33,000 emails that she deleted and acid washed, Trump wrote in a post on June 13th, and then again on June 16th. Crooked Hillary deleted 33,000 emails, many classified, and wasn't even close to being charged. Only Trump the greatest witch hunt of all time. Well, first of all, this is such bullshit. How the fuck would he know what's in those 33,000 emails since they've never been released? But nevertheless, he says they were classified, many classified. And Trump's apologists have echoed the comparisons in hundreds of social media postings as they suggest there is a two-tier justice system. Now, one to be outdone, Fox News continues to play footsie with Trump and his MAGA conspiracists. Having learned obviously nothing from their $787 million Dominion settlement, the outlet continues to lie and bullshit its audience to please the former president. As President Biden spoke last Tuesday night, the chyron at the bottom of the screen read, Wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. I mean, can you believe this shit from a news outlet? This was a breathtakingly blatant attempt to gaslight the Fox audience into believing that the only reason that Trump is under indictment is not because he broke the law, but because of some conspiracy against him by President Biden. I mean, this is real dangerous shit, folks, and we can't allow it to happen. Welcome to the Chicago Board of Trade and the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. In the 1980s, they were the largest financial markets in the world. This guy made two million, this guy made three million, this guy made four million. It was like a, an ATM machine for uh, traders. Traders were making money hand over fist, and they thought it was their own little secret. Four FBI men wearing wires infiltrated the Board of Trade and the Mercantile Exchange. This lavish and daring undercover operation was the most expensive in the Bureau's history. But was it successful? It all depends who you ask. The FBI used extraordinary means to detect extraordinary fraud. They were down there to expose a big cheating scandal, did they? I don't think they did. 
From Entropy Media, this is Brokers, Bagmen, and Moles. Available now wherever you listen. And now for the main event. We welcome David Korn back to the show. I mean, he's a legendary newsman from Washington, D.C. He is the bureau chief of Mother Jones and an on-air analyst for MSNBC. Korn and Michael Isakoff co-authored a book called Russian Roulette, the inside story of Putin's war on America and the election of Donald Trump. He's also the author of four four New York Times best-selling books and was the longtime Washington editor for The Nation. For a good read, check out Our Land, his twice-weekly newsletter that covers everything from news of the day to entertainment, but all told in Korn's no-bullshit style. It's why I like him. Korn has been published multiple times, but his latest bestseller, American Psychosis, a historical investigation of how the Republican Party went crazy, is an absolute must-read for anyone interested in understanding the unprecedented times that we currently live in. I mean, this is going to be a great show, so let's go now to my conversation. Okay, so David, before we get into all things indictment, I want to highlight a tweet that you made today regarding Eric Swalwell's questioning of former special prosecutor John Durham, who admitted under oath that there was substantial evidence to show that Russia interfered in the 2016 election. Now, knowing that Durham was appointed to undermine the Russia investigation, I mean, in the first place, right, and expose the Russia hoax, what's the significance of Durham's admission? You know, the whole thing about Durham, let me take a little step back, Michael, if you permit me, is that it was set up by Bill Barr, his investigation, to back up Donald Trump's BS claim that everything Russia was a hoax, that Russia didn't intervene, that there was no contacts between the Trump campaign and Russia while it was intervening, that nothing was wrong, and that it was all completely made up. It was a deep state plot um, with the Democrats, the liberals, media, people like me, and others to sink Donald Trump's presidential campaign and then sink his presidency once he made it to the White House. And that was the premise here, that the investigation was 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 crap, was a, was concocted only out of politics. And we know that's not true. We know from the Robert Mueller report, we know from the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence report issued when Rubio chaired the committee in 2020, that indeed Russia attacked the election. Indeed, it was done to help the Trump campaign win, um, indeed, that the Trump campaign denied that it was happening and helped the Russian investigation and even uh, in- intervention and even egged it on and urged it on with Trump saying, come on, go get those Hillary Clinton emails. And we also know, we know, Pellin says, no collusion, no collusion. We know that Paul Manafort, your former good buddy who ran the campaign. Oh, I was never, I was actually never I friends know, with Manafort. But okay, your, your point but, well but taken. But anyway, that Paul Manafort, who ran the you know campaign for much of 2016, was meeting while he was running the campaign, meeting secretly with a guy named Konstantin Kalimnik, who the U.S. government, the, the Mueller report, the Senate committee led by Marco Rubio, the U.S. Treasury Department, all say he was a Russian intelligence officer. So the campaign manager, the CEO, meeting with a Russian intelligence officer while Russian intelligence is attacking the election to help Trump. I mean, you can decide whether that's collusion or not, but we all know those things. And Durham, you know, 
was assigned to investigate whether there was no reason to investigate and it was all made up. Now, he focused on a very slim part of the Russian investigation, the use of the Steele dossier to get one surveillance warrant on a Trump campaign advisor named Carter Page, uh, a foreign policy advisor. That's what the Steele document was used. It wasn't used to start the, the investigation, which started long before the Steele dossier reached the FBI. It was this one surveillance warrant. And they try to use this issue of the Steele dossier, which is unconfirmed um, information coming from some dubious sources. And I was the first to write about it, but I, so I, I, I acknowledge this. Um, they focus on that. They focus on the court of page warrant, which was not done properly. So an American citizen was surveilled improperly to try to distract from what really happened and say that the whole investigation was crooked. And so Durham was put in charge of trying to find out and trying to prove, to get evidence that this was a deep state plot, the investigation, and he failed. He failed, and he told us this yesterday. He went on and on about how things were mishandled with the Steele dossier and this one surveillance warrant, but when Democrats got to ask him, like Eric Swalwell, who you just referenced, and Adam Schiff and others, some of the basics, did Russia intervene? He said, yes, they did. And it was you know, systemic. It was serious. It was, and he said it was a serious threat. He did not say this was all made up. He did not call this a hoax or a witch hunt. And um, it's okay if the Republicans want to just focus on the misuse of the Steele dossier to illegally or improperly surveil one American citizen. They're free to do that. And, you know, all investigations make mistakes. And the FBI erred in doing this. But here they are trying to make that. I think they, I, in all fairness, in all fairness, uh, I think that they erred in more than just Carter Page. I mean, the entire investigation into me was started by the Steele dossier with, as you're well aware, 11 allegations raised about me from the fact that I have a dacha, a home in Sochi next door to Putin to, you know, going off to Czech Republic with 10 million in cash to pay off, you know, Russian compromise. There's more than just Carter Page. You see, the Republicans will only concentrate right now on that aspect with Carter Page because they don't want to invoke my name at all. <laughs> yes. No, they don't. They, they don't want to invoke you. But Durham, the Durham investigation, as you just noted, this is what they focused on. And this was done to deflect attention from what really happened with the Russian attack and to um, try to back up Trump's claim that it's all, all, all a hoax. And so when when Durham comes before Congress, he doesn't back them up on the big points. He says that, you know, he no. says that we, we, in fact, his report, this is what's so ridiculous here, because it's all about what they call predication, right? You know what that means for our listeners. Predication yes. is what is the cause, the reason to open an investigation in the FBI. You need predication. You don't just open an investigation. And there are different types of investigation you can open, a preliminary investigation or a full investigation. And it depends on how strong the predication is, which one you choose to do. In this instance, when word came in from an Australian diplomat that uh, a Trump campaign aide had had information that Russia might be intervening in the election, the FBI decided, and looking at, looking at the fact that the Democrats were being hacked, 
and this was all that was all in public and were being hacked by the Russians and having information released that hurt Hillary and that would help Donald Trump, they went to a full investigation. Durham, in his report, said, well, I don't think so. It should have been a preliminary investigation. So here what you're arguing over is the difference between a full investigation and a preliminary investigation. And Durham's, so it's an opinion, not a crime. And his big point was that the FBI was too caught up in confirmation bias. And that's why they went to a full investigation instead of a preliminary investigation. Well, I think anytime you look at any investigation, you know this from looking at, you know, from the prosecutions against you, prosecutors probably always have a confirmation bias, right? They always think we got something here and then they see the evidence and they, you know, it's hard for them to sort of say, well, maybe so, maybe not. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a big nothing burger at the end of the day. Um, but at the hearing yesterday, you know, Durham ended up confirming the big points about there having been a Russian attack. And a piece that I wrote that went viral yesterday on, on Twitter was, I don't know how he did this, but he, you know, and you should be of, of, of concerned with this, of interest, of interest in this, Michael. He made false statements to Congress. He made statements that were literally, demonstrably not true. He said at the Trump Tower meeting, they never talked about Hillary Clinton. No, we have accounts from several people there in the Mueller report who said they did talk about Hillary Clinton. Contacts between the Trump campaign and Russians. No, I just talked about Paul Manafort meeting with a suspected Russian intelligence officer. Not even suspected. That's what the U.S. government says he he is and was. So he said there was no evidence. He said there was no discussion. These are things that are in the public record that either he is unaware of, which would be kind of amazing, given that this is supposed to be his area of expertise, or that he wanted to sort of ape the Trump line and that there was no contacts, no collusion, and that there was nothing to the Trump Tower meeting. That was just all, you know, just farcical and didn't turn it, didn't generate anything. I've always thought that the that the importance of the Trump Tower meeting in June of 2016, when um, Trump Jr., when Don Jr., Manafort, yep. And Jared met with a Russian emissary. They were told that she would give them dirt on Hillary Clinton. What she provided was too convoluted for them to use and to understand. And they kind of say, oh, so nothing came out of this. I always thought that the importance of that meeting, and I wonder what you think here, is that they were told that she was coming with dirt on Hillary Clinton and that this was part of a Russian effort to help the Trump campaign. And this was coming from, a, you know, the Russian Kremlin, from the government. I always thought the importance of this meeting was when they said, yeah, we will see her. They were telling the Russians, feel free to intervene. Feel free to help us. You have a green light. You know, Donald Trump said, I, if this is what I think it is, I love it. Right. He emailed back to the go-between. So I always thought the, the, the fact that they took the meeting is far more important than what did or did not come out of the meeting. And then when they when it came out later that the Russian the Russians had hacked the DNC and WikiLeaks was putting that information out to hurt the Clinton campaign, they went out there, Paul Manafort, Donald Trump Jr. and Donald Trump Sr. and said, there is no Russian intervention here. Well, wait a second. Prior to that meeting, they had been told that the Russians wanted to help secretly. So of all the people in the world who had some idea that the Russians might be doing something, it was these guys, 
And yet they went out there with no basis for saying this and a basis for actually saying the opposite. They said there's no Russian involvement here. It's all being made up by Hillary Clinton and the media. So I thought the meeting was very significant in, in that way. And the fact that, 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 that John Durham didn't fully understand it and he said they were, and, and, and didn't know about the context between Manafort and Kalimnik, or acted as if he didn't know, showed that there was something terribly wrong with his with his investigation. Yeah. Now you may remember from the Mueller report, I had also testified that um, I was in the office with Donald when Roger Stone called. And Donald had advanced notice of the dropping of the uh, emails, the Podesta emails, uh, something that I had you know, talked to the Mueller team about. Uh, you're not wrong, but I will tell you what I find to be incredibly interesting. And I think The Hill had an article on it, and I agree with them completely. Their headline in their article both parties hear what they want to hear during rare Durham public hearing. It's amazing. If you look to see like MSNBC, they have a, um, uh, an article that's out, which basically, you know, as you just said, it holds Durham accountable for trying to spin the Trump message, the GOP message, talks quite significantly about um, Jim Jordan and the stupidity that emanates from his mouth every time he opens it. But then again, you have Fox News. Now, Fox News is unusual today because of things like the Brett Baer, Donald Trump interview, where you actually think that Fox News is going to take a more centrist point onto it. Their headline reads, John Durham shuts down Adam Schiff in Trump-Russia hearing as not illegal. That's also not true. So you bring up a very interesting point, which is John Durham sat in front of Congress. Forget about the fact that the American people were watching, because you could lie to the American people. A journalist can do it. A individual can do it. You can lie to the American people. You could go on television, say whatever you want. You could write whatever you want, right or wrong. doesn't make a difference. But if you lie to law enforcement and when you lie to Congress, it's a thousand and one violation and something that I know, unfortunately, all too well. My lie, as you are well aware, and I repeat it so often, I hate doing it, but I'm going to do it was the number of times that I claimed to have spoken to Donald about the failed Trump Tower Moscow real estate project. Mm -hmm. in, a, in a written statement to the Senate Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, the document, the statement was prepared, not just by myself, but it was prepared in concert with guys like Jay Sekulow, Abby Lowell, Ty Cobb, Jared, and, Jared uh, Kushner, Ivanka, uh, myself, you know, many people had their hands in the preparation of that, but I read it and I submitted it as part of my uh, part of my appearance. When, in fact, it wasn't three times that I spoke to Donald, it was 10. Now, I bring this up because I want to talk about the significance of three versus 10 and then compare it to what John Durham lied mm -hmm. 
the false statements that he made. And he has to know that they're false statements. Yep. He's making sort of um, broad overtures about what was going on inside of an office during a meeting between Jared and Paul Manafort and um, Don Jr., all of which Donald knew was taking place. That's another thing that I discussed with the Mola team, and it's reported in the, in, in the Mola report. How is it that they have not, or they are not right now, contemplating on bringing charges against him for lying to Congress? Or is that only subject to Michael Cohen? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I knew this would, you know, pique your interest, Michael, because it just shows, you know, how unfair it is. I mean, you have, you know, for there to be a prosecution, I believe you need a referral from Congress. And does anyone think that Jim Jordan is going to refer to the Justice Department uh, a complaint that 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 John Durham lied to the committee? Um, uh, when he when about interactions between the Trump campaign and and Russia, I don't think so. I mean, it, it, I mean, I, I mean, I literally was kind of stunned as I was watching yesterday, and I heard him make these statements that were just unequivocal. You know, they were factual statements; they weren't opinions, um, and they were just flat out wrong. Um, so, but I, you know, my guess is that you know. No one on the Republican side is going to raise a huff about this. And, and it shows you that, you know, you in order to be prosecuted as, as you were, it only happens if it's convenient for the party in power and the party in power in, in, in the House are the Republicans. If it's not convenient for them, they're not going to they're not going to do it. You know, the Democrats wanted to make the point that the Trump you know, the Trump people had lied. And so they referred you. But that's, this. you know, the, you know, the Republicans ain't going to do that here with Durham. And I assume that we probably have heard the last of him. I, I don't think he'll write a book. You know, he, you know he's retired now. Um, he may just ride off into the sunset, you know, at the end of a long career, totally marred by this by this by, 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 by this investigation that resulted in no serious convictions. Um, got one guy to plead guilty to altering an, an email, which was wrong, but he lost the two cases he brought. And the two cases he brought were tangential to the, you know, they're about lying to the, you know, to the, you know, to the FBI about something. It had nothing to do with the origins of the investigation, it had nothing to do about showing there was a plot against you know created by the deep state to bring trump down and to phony up the whole russia stuff so um it's you know i i it, in some ways you know having written a book about this having covered this for five jesus how long has it been now six years uh michael seven years yep um yeah you know, six six seven years you know, that's right goes back know, to if 2016 I, if, if I can be personal for a moment i mean i'm very sad because I do believe that what happened in 2016 with the Russian involvement and attack on the election was very consequential. I think it was one of the factors that got Donald Trump elected, not the only thing. Um, and that it, it was a threat to our democracy, undermined our democracy, means that it could happen again as well. And it should have been something that we rallied around as a country and said, 
Donald Trump can win fair and square, so be it. But we shouldn't let another country come in and, and screw our elections, even though in the past, yes, the U.S. has done that to other nations back in the day. And yet the Republican Party, mainly led in this direction by Trump, refused to acknowledge this reality. And they created this. So it's really kind of where the whole alternative reality, false narrative of the Trump years began. And we just haven't been able to come to terms with this. And that leads, yeah, I don't know if it's a straight line, but at least a curvy line, right to the big lie of the 2020 election. There was no Russian attack. Then there was, I didn't lose. And that leads to the January 6th. Um, it's all it's, it's all connected. And it's been really bad for small d democracy here if we can't band together and deal with you know, an attack on the election in 2016 or a political figure in 2020 trying to undermine a, an election and then trying to retain power by inciting a violent riot. And still, you know, where is he today in the polls, Michael? You know, 53, 55% yep, well, of Republicans, you know, are, are, are voting for him and, and, and over 70% still say the election was not unfair and Biden's not a legitimate president. And they, it's, you know, it's all, you know, the Russia stuff is all a, 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 a piece of that. I'm sorry that you got, you know, flagged unfairly by, for some of the stuff in the Steele document, but it's, it, you know, it, it, it's really been damaging to our nation and watching Republicans yesterday still try, 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 to keep this conspiracy narrative alive, that it was all a hoax, you know, and Durham, you know, giving them scraps of ammo, not a lot of ammo, but scraps. It was, well, I don't know, disenchanting, perturbing, troubling. This is where we go. So let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this then, Dave. All right. Adam Schiff is very clever. There's quite a few. Democrats that asked questions yesterday, lawyers, very crafty, very clever. Why not turn around and say this? All right. At least put it out there the same way that Jim Jordan wanted to refer my specific testimony before the House Oversight Committee, which Elijah Cummings shut down. He said Cohen lied. Cohen wanted a pardon. Yeah. He goes, what are you talking how do you have that information? I have my sources. He goes, yeah, you bring your sources forward, all right? And then we'll consider it. But I'm not doing it based off of your testimony that you have sources. Here we have the Mueller report. The Mueller report says X, Y, and Z. And it also states with clarity who the persons were that made the statements about what went on inside that meeting. So let's give John Durham a chance. Let's give him a chance to recant the statement that he made. I don't care whether it's on television. I don't care whether it's by print. It makes no difference. Either recant it or we're going to bring an investigation, um, a, a 1001 violation charge against you. Ex or explain. We got to be fair to yep. Durham. Explain why you said the answer that you did. When you, as special counsel, should have known the right answer. Now, if you still think that your answer is right, just tell us how or why. 
In that way, the American people can get a legitimate answer to the question that was asked by a member of Congress. You, you know, I would love to see that. I don't know why the Democrats don't do that. They, um, there, there, are, there are things called QFRs. For five days after the close of a hearing, they're called QFRs, questions for the record, I think. And they, they can be submitted to the to the to the witness and they could be just the, what you you just dictated them. Basically, they should send him these questions in writing and say, you said this, you know, and ask for an explanation. And they sh- they should announce they're doing this. I mean, I think they they, they should be more aggressive in, in that way. Um, I think you know, it, it could well be that politically and I'm just guessing because I haven't talked to any. Democratic members since the hearing yesterday. I just, just worked on my piece and other things. Uh, it could be that they feel that the hearing went well for them and they made their points and that, you know, it's it's enough and time to move on. Here's the problem, but I But listen, I, I agree with you that I think that would be a good move to do right now because I think they can't, it, it can't enough emphasize that Durham you know confirmed that the that their narrative of the Russian scandal is accurate and Trump's is wrong because Trump is still going is still making hay out of this every time he goes on an interview and talks about the Russia hoax Russia hoax Russia hoax I think they should take Durham's testimony and if they have to put pressure on him from from not uh, from misstating things they should use this as a battering ram, as Trump continues to try to, uh, you know, pound in his false narrative of the of the Russia scandal. See, that's the first thing that came to mind after I read your Mother Jones column yesterday on this. I kept saying to myself, it re- so reminds me of going to a gas station and you fill your car up with half a tank. You're there anyway. <laughs> Fill up the whole tank. What's the point? You need resolution, yeah. right? I mean, what's it? Yes, the car is going to go on half a tank, but why only do half the fucking job, right? Finish the job. Get some closure. And it's so easy to do here. Take the Mueller report, the specific questions, for example, that Adam Schiff asked, and say, I asked you this question based upon. Exhibit 1, page 37 of the Mueller report, highlighted for your reference. Here's the, here's the transcription of the, of the communication that went back and forth between you and I. Schiff, question, right, that he asked, right, that, 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 that. And then here, and, and um, here is your response. Please look at Exhibit 1 and, rep- and respond in the next 10 days as to whether or not you still agree with your statement or did you make a misstatement to clarify and complete the record? That's what they should do instead of just saying, oh, we scored our brownie points. Fuck you and your brownie points. Nobody scored any brownie points. Let me be clear about this. There's not a Fox-loving MAGA Republican that is changing their opinion on the Russian collusion hoax. They'll call it a Russian collusion delusion, 
right? Not one person is yep. changing their opinion based upon yesterday's hearing, all right? Not one. So finish the record, finish the job. That's all that, that you know, that's all about that. And great article, by the way, that you put out. But I want to switch gears for a second and talk about, again, another thing that's going on, another fight that's going on right now in Congress. And that's, of course, Hunter Biden and the plea deal. The plea deal that he accepted, the misdemeanor uh, tax charges and the um, gun violation that will allow him to avoid prison. Now, do you think the timing of the DOJ's announcement helps or hurts the optics around the Trump indictment? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, the the you know, of of course, if if they hadn't given him the death, unless they had given him the death penalty, the Republicans would complain he's getting off easy, even though this is a Trump appointed. Uh, uh, you know, lawyer, prosecutor, who who, who cut this deal. So uh, you know, on Fox News, it's always gonna it's always gonna look bad. And I, I think what it does is it puts pressure on you know the House Republicans with their gazillion investigations to show that there's you know there's something more wrong here. I mean, the stuff that they're looking at, claiming that he pocketed ten million dollars and gave five million to his dad. For you know improper foreign contacts and lobbying and everything else, um, I assume since a lot of this you know they they claim there are FBI reports about this, which may not be conf- you know confirmed, that the prosecutor looked at everything and looked at those things, and he came up with nothing except the tax charge, which Biden Hunter Biden had already copped to and said that he hadn't when he was. You know, in the, the throes of his crack addiction, did not pay taxes, and 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 the and lying on the form in which he bought a gun, which you have to say, uh, I did not use. Uh, I'm not using drugs, and he was using drugs at the time, which only we know about because he wrote about it in his own autobiography. A lesson to you all out there: if you buy a gun, don't then admit later in a book that you were using drugs at that time period. So. Um, I don't know how it, how it affects the, the optics. You know, the question really, to me, the big question is they keep claiming that the Bidens are a corrupt crime family and they don't produce any evidence of that. Um, and it's, and they, they have power subpoena, they have hearings. And until, you know, and, and if they don't, that to me will be the big, uh, the big optic here. You know, they, you know, here they are, you know, we have, you know, all sorts of issues in this country that people want to see dealt with. And they're chasing Hunter Biden like a snipe hunt. Um, and if they don't deliver on that, you know, you know, yeah, it's good for the Fox audience. But I don't think, you know, independent voters, suburban women and, you know, uh, women in the suburbs you know, who, are, who are independent or go back and forth between D and R are going to be much impressed by these by these crazy conspiratorial shenanigans. Um you know, I do believe that under Biden, you know, working for Burisma and all that was just a typical type of institutional sleaze we see all the time with prominent people and their family members getting, you know, great jobs and, and being hired for their connections, even without misusing those connections. There's nothing illegal about this, but it's just kind of sleazy. But, you know, 
if, <laughs> but there's nothing. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to laugh. I mean, I, I, I believe that that, you know, congressional committees and people can look into that. Did Hunter Biden get paid for doing something he shouldn't have been paid for um, and using his influence unfairly? That's an open question if you put yourself in that position. And, you know, and it should be responsibly investigated and people shouldn't say what 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 results are until they're confirmed but how you can say how you can have your hair on fire about hunter biden and not give a rat's patootie keeping it clean here about jared kushner getting two billion with a b dollars from the saudis or donald trump getting money from the saudis through the liv golf tournaments that he that he's running in his places, or that amazing New York Times story about him about Trump and his company teaming up with the government of Oman to do a big resort in Oman that's going to put a lot of money in their pockets. And not alone, let alone what the money they got off the Trump Hotel. I mean, I as a journalist want to see all this investigated and how, you know, and, and I remember there was about a time Jimmy Carter's brother was doing something with Libya when Jimmy Carter was president. Democrats at the time said, you know what? This looks bad. We should look into this. You know, they didn't say, no, there's nothing wrong here because Jimmy Carter's the Democrat. Republican Party, you know, have just given up on even the pretense of looking like they're fair-minded. They, they basically, hypocrisy seems to have become oxygen for them. They don't mind. They don't care. They breathe it. They relish it because it gets the libs irritated. Yep. It's all about affecting the libs. So, David, you may remember when early on I had said this to you, that the 2016 election, Donald never thought he was going to win. Right. I mean, it was always some. And here's his quote. This is going to be the greatest infomercial in the history of United States politics. I told you, he he never thought he was going to win. And the truth is, he didn't want to. It was all about branding ideas. And you know what? Say whatever you want about this fucking moron. He got exactly what he wanted. He's got now live in his pocket. His son-in-law put... Look, and I don't want to misconstrue. The Saudis did not give Jared $2 billion dollars. What they gave him is the opportunity to invest $2 billion of their Saudi Investment Authority money, to which he earns a 2 in 20, 2% as a management fee, 20% of the profit. That's big freaking money. So they got exactly what they wanted. Though Donald is not ecstatic, I promise you that, that Jared is cashing in on the relationship uh, that he was able to obtain Uh, with Saudi because of his presidency. But I also want to just bring up one last thing when we were talking about why Hunter Biden should not be looked at as like what they did to me, sending me to jail, right, for tax evasion. You know, H&R Block puts this out all the time. And uh, I remember seeing the one from 2015 on by H&R Block. Out of 150 million instances of legal source tax evasion all right that's where you don't misreport income you're not yet you do file tax returns it's just not the right amount only 1330 taxpayers 
were indicted. I want you to think about that infinitesimal number. And yet they got me on it, right? When I have never not filed a tax return. In fact, I've never asked for an extension until 2017 when I lost my accounting firm because I was suing him for malpractice, all right? Other than that, I have never filed a late tax return. I didn't not pay taxes. I just didn't pay the right amount because I was told this is how much you owe. I didn't hide money. I wasn't in a cash business like Manafort did overseas. All my money was in Capital One Bank, which by coincidence happened to be located the base of the building I lived in. And I gave every single bank statement. Look, it's in my pre-sentencing report. Did Judge Pauly take a look at it? Did the Southern District of New York prosecutors take a look at it? Yeah, they did. And they turned around and said, if you try to amend your tax returns, we're going to make it 10 times more difficult on you. But look, let me move on because we could sit and talk about this bullshit forever. Today, former FBI analyst Kendra Kingsbury was sentenced to three years and 10 months for illegally retaining documents related to national defense at her residence. So what do you know about this case and how does this case compare to the case against Donald Trump and the Mar-a-Lardo uh, document retention facility. Yeah, you know, I was reading about it because it just happened, you know, the last couple of days. I wasn't aware of this case prior to this. You know, uh, she had kept things at home. Um, she had not uh, cooperated fully when asked about it. And she, then she gave up these, you know, as 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 defenses said that there had been several deaths in her family her uncle had been murdered and you know that's why you know she didn't respond or get back or do what she should have done and a lot of you know people covering that case at least several i've seen in the in the media won't say a lot i sound like somebody else when i say that some people covering the case you know have compared it directly to the the, the trump case um you know, there's, you know, she had no good reason for, to keep the stuff. She didn't, you know, uh, make amends quickly. She didn't um, declassify and, it by and, thinking uh, about it. She didn't declassify about thinking about it. Uh, you know, it, it, and, 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 you know, and, and she just got sentenced to a, a, a fair amount of time. I mean, which, you know, Mehdi Hassan did this a couple of days ago, too, found, you know, a bunch of cases that are very similar, retaining national defense information people who were prosecuted and who went to jail from anywhere from one to reality seven years, winner think, was the yeah yeah oh you bring up reality i have to say i'm almost obligated to say this that the hbo movie that just came out a couple of weeks ago about her called reality is absolutely freaking yep, fantastic I agree. it's just it's just showing the arrest you see how fbi agents basically play her and they don't tell her she should hire a lawyer and they keep trying to make it sound like if she tells the truth, they can help. They can work with her. They can make things good when they're just trying to extract a confession out of her. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it, it all takes place in one room, essentially, for an hour and a half. This And they, it's based on the actual transcript. They were recording this at the time. Um, it's one of the most gripping movies I've watched in years just psychologically and dramatically, the actors are, are just fantastic how they play this. And I'm not just saying this because a certain you-know-who with my name appears at the end of the movie as a talking head 
um, using a using a clip that was real. I didn't record. I didn't do this for the movie. That 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 when I was commenting on her harsh sentence when she ended up getting five years, and I was talking about it on some show, they they use that clip at the end of the movie. Uh, but it's it's fabulous. But yes, reality winner. These other people who Medi Hassan did a great little segment on the other night on his show on MSNBC. Uh, people have done real time for for this crime, and the only thing the only thing different here is that it's the former president of the United States. The fact pattern is very much the same, and it's um. You know, and, and and yet you you know you have the Republican Party now claiming or saying stating that they want to defund the FBI, defund the Justice Department because this indictment is the weaponization of government. Well, you know, I guess you know you defund the FBI and the Justice Department. You know, uh, who's going to be happy about that? Drug dealers, human traffickers, corrupt uh, politicians, international and domestic corrupt politicians, right? politicians, they're all going to be really happy. Yeah, let's get rid of the FBI. I mean, these guys got upset when a few people, not the majority, some people connected to Black Lives Matter said defund the police. Now they're saying, well, let's get rid of the FBI. We don't have to worry about it, about Chinese and Russian spies. We don't have to worry about international criminal syndicates. You know, and let's, it's, you know, all because, I mean, that's where you get, you know, I, I keep, I hate saying this. But there is no better way to describe this. It sounds hyperpartisan. It sounds extreme. But this is the behavior of a cult. It's you know, this is you know you don't do anything. Our guy doesn't do anything wrong. Even even when he admits doing something wrong, like grabbing women by the pee, you know, they say there's nothing wrong there. Listen, they will fight for him day in and day out. They will stretch morality, you know, to the moon. I know. I was there. You know all in fealty to Donald Trump. But, you know, I want to change directions again for a moment because I think this is extremely important. I want to talk to you about RFK Jr. Now, you posted a video of him attributing AIDS, not to HIV, but to a gay lifestyle and recreational drugs. Now, I've had him on this show, and I'll be honest with you, it was a battle to stop him from spreading his bullshit. You know, he seems like an affable guy. Don't get me wrong. You know, not a guy that, you know, you would want to beat up. It's just anything that comes out of his mouth just to me was just propaganda, and it was misinformation, and as I like to call it, it was just straight-up bullshit. What he tries to do is... He's got his bullshit down so well that he tries to bulldoze you with it, right? My question to you, David, how dangerous do you think that he is as a candidate? Because some folks want to give him a pass because of his name. And you attribute Alex Jones' level of craziness to him. That's pretty dangerous in my yeah. book. Explain that to me and my listeners. It is, Michael. I mean, God, this... Your podcast is getting me down today because once again, I have to say I'm really sad by the whole uh, Bobby Kennedy thing. Bobby Kennedy's dad, you know, was really important to me when I was a kid and, when I, you know, and, and when I was in college, and which was after he long after he, he, he'd been assassinated. But I always looked at him as a as you know, the last you know version of Bobby Kennedy. 
um, as a model democratic politician, pragmatic, progressive, who could speak to working class Americans of all of, of all colors and stripes. Um, and once upon a time, I mean, I, I, I've met Robert Kennedy Jr. a few times. I had one really wild day with him, which be too long to discuss back in back in the um in the in the in the early 90s when he was was working at Riverkeeper and he did a lot of great work there and he cleaned up the Hudson River. You're a New Yorker, you know how filthy it was. I mean what he did and, and I'm, I'm a sort of New Yorker in exile, all us New Yorkers really owe him a lot for that. It was tremendous what he did with with the help of others to clean up uh the Hudson, which had been polluted by PCBs and, and other things from industrial corporate criminal polluters. Um, and so it really pains me to sort of see what what he's what he's become. I also went to college with his second wife, Mary, who ended up very tragically committing suicide. Um, so I've kind of been watching him, you know, from a moderate distance for the last 30, 40 years. Um, and, you know, it, it, he really is peddling Alex Jones crazy. Um, you know, you mentioned, you know, you know, there was this, that I tweeted out this video of him in which he said HIV doesn't is not the cause of AIDS, which is a, another complete anti-science conspiracy theory. Of course, he's been an anti-vaxxer since the early 2000s on, on COVID vaccination, but long before that, other vaccinations. I um, mean, he's pushed debunk uh, attacks on, on, on vaccinations for decades now. Um, and he also, you know, thinks that, you know, that 5G and cell phone uh, towers are, are bad for us. Now, I'm willing to say, and I do believe this, that the so zapping of America, you know, putting up 5G and cellular towers, that we don't really examine what they do, what these things do or do not do to biological entities, such as human beings. But he goes on beyond that to say that these are mind control devices. These are mind control devices. And he's, you know, he's he's in, implicated Bill Gates of the world and other big figures as being part of cabals trying to control the population. I mean, it's all tremendously nutty. But yet, you know, he's getting 20 percent of Democratic polls, I think mainly on his name more than anything else. It's a, it's, it's one of the best brands in Democratic politics. And the, the, and the danger here is not that he's going to win. The danger is that he goes on you know, Joe Rogan's show, and Rogan treats him respectfully, and he, he's able to, and it amplifies his disinformation about science and other matters. But that more, and, and I think what he's going to start, what's going to start happening is that Bobby, you know, is, is going to start demanding that Joe Biden debate him. Marianne Williamson, who's running her own long shot campaign, was going to do the same thing. And Biden's going to, I think, rightfully say, no way, I'm not debating marginal candidates, particularly a conspiracy theorist, and give him a platform. And what's going to happen is that Fox and the right wing are going to jump on that and say, see, Biden's too weak to debate. He's too old. He's too, you know, you all confirmed all the you know, talking points. And they're going to use Bobby Kennedy as a weapon against Joe Biden and try to reinforce the, the you know, the, you know, what they think is their biggest selling point to take down Biden. So Bobby Kennedy, who, you know, meets with, you know, met with Trump at the beginning of the administration, you know, hangs out with Steve Bannon, 
um, doesn't seem to mind being embraced by the crazy Trump right as their favorite Democrat. And he is going to give them ammunition to use sure. on behalf of Trump. Sure, they get to claim, oh, we're not we're not partisan, we're bipartisan. Look, we like, you know, we, we like Robert Kennedy. Um, and so it and I'll tell you the mistake that I think that the Biden administration is making. They are coddling him, right? Almost like a brand new boxer, right? You don't want to put him up against somebody who's going to take him down, right? You just want to coddle him. Uh, and so Joe Biden doesn't need coddling. I believe every single day Joe Biden should address the nation from the Oval Office behind the Lincoln desk in that, you know, in the White, you know, in the White House, whether again, whether it's on the lawn, whether it's uh, in the Oval, it makes no difference. He should be addressing the American people every day, showing that he is energetic, that, OK, he walks stiff. Big deal. I'm 57 years old. I walk stiff too. my back is killing me. I woke up my. God, the first thing I took is a diclofenac. My lower back is fucking killing me. Big deal. Big deal. Show that he's sharp and he could do the job. They don't need to coddle the guy. The guy is more than capable. And I agree with him. He shouldn't debate Robert Kennedy. He's, as you said, he's nothing but a conspiracy theorist. And the insanity of some of the things that he says, the bullshit, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's so it's so ridiculous. You know, we, you're right. We, he cannot be given a platform. In. But I do want to ask you this then, because as someone that's written extensively about the right wing extremism, what's the current state of the MAGA radicals? Because it would seem that the, at, at this moment when their leader right is facing potential prison, right, and that they would come out and that they would they take a stand, they would make a stand. For him, and obviously the fact that many of them were imprisoned for the January sixth, you know, insurrection, it's quieted things, I think, quite considerably. But in your estimation, if Trump is actually found guilty and sentenced, whether it's going to be to prison, uh, a significant home confinement, do you foresee some type of, we'll call it, an attack? by MAGA radicals against law enforcement or other institutions? Well, you, you know, um, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're looking very, very, very deeply into the crystal ball, Michael. I we're, we're really, there's a long way to go between now and, and a Trump conviction, let alone imprisonment. But what I do think, I think you were right to um, cite the prosecutions of January 6th rioters. I think it's been incredibly important because when there have been times when Trump's been indicted or has court appearance, you know, you can see on some of the, you know, the bulletin boards or the social media platforms that they use when people say, we all should come out. And they all say, no, don't do that. They, they, they want us to come out and round us up. You know, so there's been a debate within the MAGA right about you know what to do because they they've learned the lesson, particularly the people like the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, and this guy who's just you know yesterday got a, a sentence of I think twelve and a half years. The guy I think who, who used a stun gun or a shocker, um, um, Michael Farone, known the, um, the, the the Capitol Hill cop. So I think I think that you know you know we want criminal punishment to be fair and to be a disincentive. And I think it's working in this case. 
I don't think the radicalism itself, what people believe and think, is is fading. I think you see DeSantis and other candidates trying to appeal to it as well as Trump, and they're trying to find other targets, you know, drag queen shows and things like that. The Proud Boys are, you know, turning out at drag queen shows to try to shut them down. Pretty idiotic, but nevertheless, you know, they're 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 out there. I, I think more than like having mass demonstrations, you know, we, you know, the worry are, you know, the acts of single individuals. Unabama just passed away. But remember, after the FBI raid, I believe it was, um, was it in Cincinnati? I'm forgetting now. But there was a guy who kind of attacked an FBI office, like a single, alone, single. And, you know, you see, you know, the, the, the Tree of Life Synagogue attacker, a lot of these, you know, gun mass gun uh, assaults gun massacres you know they're being prompted by this far right radicalism so i think that could still be an issue you know one guy sent bombs to george soros and the obamas and others uh, a couple years back you know got caught fortunately nobody was hurt i i so to me the worry is you know that trump and desantis you know are vowing to pardon the um the the one six riders who are you know who are convicted if they become president which to me is basically inviting more violence and excusing violence and you know and 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 trump's language is always always of, of a violent nature so you know i don't think you know we need to worry about thousands acting in a coordinated violent attack but it certainly creates an atmosphere where you can see uh, a group, a small group, or or, even, or a single person wanting to take up arms. I mean, if you believe what Trump says, if you believe what he says, that American democracy has been stolen, that the right, excuse me, the left is made up of a of, of pedophilic, you know, baby-eating, mass-murdering, you know, cabalists, um, if you believe all those things, you know, because he's endorsed the QAnon craziness, then you think, well, there's no choice. We can't beat these people at the ballot box because they control it. The only thing we can do is literally take them out. So by promoting all these conspiratorial notions and and the whole crazy QAnon mo- mo- movement, people like Donald Trump, DeSantis, Michael Flynn, Steve Bannon, Fox News host Michael, uh, excuse me, Tucker Carlson, and others, they are giving re- people rational reasons. You know, it's crazy, but these are rational reasons to commit violence because they're they're telling them you can't win in the ballot, you can't win by legal means, and the only way to save this country, at least you're suggesting to these people, the only way to save the country is to, you know, oppose uh, these dark forces. Um, by any means necessary, and that would include yeah. violence. So I think, um, David, the person that you're referring to who attacked Michael Fanon with the stun gun was a guy named Daniel Rodriguez. And I don't know whether or not Rodriguez, I don't recall whether he is or he's not a part of the Oath Keepers, but he is the uh, insurrectionist that attacked Michael Fanon with that stun gun. He did get 12 and a half years, you know, so uh, maybe you're right. Maybe... People like him or Stuart Rhodes, who was the head of the uh, Oath Keepers, 18 years for his participation. But you talk about danger and you talk about, you know, this group being dangerous. We got to speak of dangerous 
in your column last week, you discussed the danger that's posed by Elon Musk, right? Elon Musk is a purveyor yeah. of poison, thanks to now his ownership of Twitter. If you do me the favor, right, because some people don't fully understand just how dangerous, you know, the old expression, the, the pen is mightier than the sword, right? If you would, unpack for my listeners your position and the danger that you think someone like Elon Musk poses to our danger, uh, to our nation. Yeah, you know, Elon Musk bought Twitter and he had a perfectly good option. That is to say, because he thought that Twitter had been unfair to some people on the right and you can't, he, he endorsed these conspiracy theories that, that, that Twitter had colluded with U.S. agents to censor and block conservatives, which there's no evidence of that. It just, you know, they, they put out the Twitter files, these reports, and that's not even what the documents say. In fact, Twitter's own lawyers uh, have recently testified that there's no evidence of this. But he had a perfectly good option if he believed that. I'm coming into Twitter, creating Twitter 2.0. We're going to be very transparent about our rules and our our our, our, our content moderation. And I'm I want us to be neutral arbiters of politics, and we'll give you our rules for what things we allow, what we don't allow. And I am not going to use this platform to advance my own ideas. Okay, that's not what he did. He came in. He immediately allied himself with the alt right, with um, you know. COVID, I don't know if you call it deniers, but vaccine skeptics. Um, and he also, you know, people attacked Anthony Fauci. Um, he he amplified attacks on Fauci. He he's amplified anti-Semitic tweets, including one recently that he put out. He then deleted it, but millions of people saw it before he deleted it, in which there was a tweet praising um Mel Gibson for being hard on the J's. J stands for Jews. And Mel Gibson's anti-Semitism has long been chronicled. Um, and he he retweeted that. He has 150 million whatever followers, and he's tweeting, he's amplifying a tweet that praises a well-known anti-Semite. He also put out anti-Semitic tropes about George Soros, and he has sort of boosted the whole Trump narrative that Trump has been attacked by a deep state cabal. We talked about this earlier with Russia, but the deep state cabal that cooked up the Russia hoax, as Trump calls it, also got its grips into Twitter and Facebook and, and, and plotted against Trump. Again, not true. But Musk has amplified tweets that um, that promote that, that notion. So, um, and... The amount of hate tweets have, have gone up since he's taken over. Anti-Semitic tweets and racist tweets and other groups have, have charted that. So, you know, Tucker Carlson, you know, this is a question for the audience. How many people do you think watch Tucker Carlson on a good night on Fox News? The answer is 3 million, maybe 3.5 million. Dancing with the Stars gets 27 million people. And... um Elon Musk, when he tweets, he gets 10 to hundreds, million, millions of impressions for his tweets, people who see his tweet. So in some ways, he is far more influential. He gets messaging out in front of more people than Tucker Carlson ever did. 
Um, so I think the idea that he's promoting the you know alt-right vaccine skepticism and 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 and, and anti-science and alt-right ideas and anti-Semitism and promoting the notion that you know that Trump was indeed the victim of a deep state operation. Uh, all this stuff, while he's also promoting Republicans like DeSantis and you know and and influencers like Joe Rogan and such. Uh, is bad for the national discourse. It's, you know, he's promoting disinformation, hate hate speech, um, and he has absolutely no accountability. He owns Twitter. I mean, he has investors, including the Saudis and, and others, but they're not reining him in. And he's allowed to sort of pursue whatever he wants to say. And he's, I think in a lot of ways, he's poisoning, you know, Twitter, and that's poisoning the national discourse. I realize that everybody in America is on Twitter. Twitter is not necessarily reality, but it's Look, a big I'm on I'm on Twitter and I can and, tell you it's become a real problem. The bots and the bot farms. I actually asked him a question um about two months ago or three months ago when he took over Twitter. I was one of the speakers on this um this open forum. There were like three or four of us. And I asked him, what are you going to do about the bots and the bot farms? Because what it does is it just promotes misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. And he told me that they were working on it. Well, yeah, the only thing that they were working on is getting rid of people with their blue checks and forcing others who don't deserve them in order yeah. to be able to pay for them. You know, I don't understand. You know, it's almost like, did you want to lose the money in this do you want to take a platform that actually could be very significant or should be very significant and turn it into garbage? Because right now, look, I still go on Twitter, but I think Twitter is about one fifth as important or significant as it was early on when people knew if you had a blue check mark that you were legitimate. Now all the bots have the blue check marks, and it's almost like the opposite. If you don't have a check mark, you're probably legit. If you do have a check mark, it probably means <laughs> that you're part of a bot farm. But, you know, look, Dave, the hour goes by real fast, and I have just one last question for you. You know, the hour always goes by fast. You and I could sit and talk for hours. Yeah, we're gabbers. Here's the problem, right? You know, Trump could be convicted of a felony. He could be sentenced to prison. Um, it could be whether it's the state case with Alvin Bragg. It could be the upcoming potential Georgia indictment. It could be the mishandling of the documents. It could be January 6th. It could be a multitude of issues that are confronting Trump right now. And let's say hypothetically he is, and then he's sentenced to, right, to prison. He's already said that he will mount his campaign from behind bars and uh, he will continue to run. Nothing is going to stop him. So my question to you, is there any possible hope for the GOP to shed its MAGA skin and return to what it once was? Or do you think that as a result of Trump, that those, that that GOP is permanently gone? All right. And that we're looking at politics like this for the I hate to say it, for the foreseeable future. When and how does this all end, if at all? Oh, God. You know, I I, I wish I knew. And, 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 you know, we've talked about the book I came out with last a couple months ago called American Psychosis, in which I traced 70 years of the relationship between far-right extremism 
and the Republican Party and noted how this all led to, you know, the Trump moment, the MAGA moment, which was, you know, previously the party had often exploited and encouraged extremism. But now I think with Trump, it's extremism has totally taken over the party, mainly because of the base. The base has gotten to this point where 30% of Americans believe Obama was born overseas, the election was stolen, and and and, and Alex Jones is a reputable figure. Uh, and these people are are in the are within the Republican Party and they're dominating it. And Steve Bannon uh, and so, has good dress sense. Yes, 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 yes. Um yeah, and, and and that Donald Trump is a moral leader. Um, so yeah, so so and I they're not going away. They are dying at a greater rate than Biden voters. If you look at Biden and Trump voters from four years to or from 2020, there were seven million more Biden voters, and Biden and Trump voters tend to be older and they live in less healthy areas of the country. So demographically, that part of the population is gonna shrink faster. Trump is losing more voters than than Biden is just due to demographics, to, you know, to the natural cycles of life and death. Um, but I, I, I don't think there is a way for the Republican Party to climb out of this very, very deep hole as they just continue to dig deeper into it. There's no, you know, there's no candidate who's com coming along who's going to steal Trump's thunder. DeSantis thinks he can, but he can't. Um, and Trump is right. You know, they, you know, there's no way to stop, you know, other other than a lightning bolt, bolt from above or a, or a burst artery. There's no way to stop him from running, even if he's indicted uh, and goes on trial. And I don't even know, you know, what happens if, if he's convicted. I mean, I, you know, it, it, the answer in the old days was that if you elected a president who was in jail, I remember Eugene Debs ran for president from jail, as did Lyndon LaRouche, another crazy guy. Uh, if you elect somebody who's in prison, the answer, I'm sure Alexander Hamilton would tell you, James Madison, well, that's very simple. Then Congress would just impeach him because Congress knows you can't have a president from jail. That's just common sense, right? As Tom Paine might say. But we, would these if Donald Trump is elected and he's sitting in a jail cell? I'm not saying it's going to happen. Uh, would would these Republicans, would Jim Jordan, would Marjorie Taylor Greene, would you know, would they, you know, would they say, "I'm sorry, Donald, but we need someone in the White House and we're going to impeach you"? Would Rand Paul and John Kennedy of Louisiana, this other Republican senators, vote to to tell us? I mean, maybe some would. But um, not necessarily. I think it's certainly an open question. So I think the party, you know, is not, even if Trump were to drop dead. David, could you imagine, I just had a funny thought. Could you imagine Prime Minister Modi shows up? Like, um, yeah, Mr. Modi, uh, can please take all of the metal out of your pocket? You need to go through the metal detector. Could you imagine? Uh, and then you have Donald sitting there in the in the in the visitation room, say, you know, uh, can no somebody please no bring touching. some quarters? No touching. Can, can somebody please bring some quarters over here so we can get some Klondike bars and maybe a hot pocket? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. You, you 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 have no you have no chits left for the commissary this month, uh, right? Uh, no credits. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, we are 
we are in uncharted waters. And the big point that I think I would make here is that when our founding fathers, they all were men, unfortunately, uh, but when they put together the Constitution, they didn't, you know, they talked about the dangers of factionalism. They never expected there to be two parties that would be, you know, so, you know, uh, yeah, you know, so divided, divided divisive, but divided, but, vitriolic, but put party first, and that would so dominate the political um, dynamics, and so that one party would stay with a with a corrupt, immoral leader, no matter what. They, you know, would say, oh, you know. Guys, a guy's found guilty, or a guy's, you know, even accused, or seems to be crooked, or you know, defended a foreign adversary's attack. Well, you know, you wouldn't stick with that. I mean, in Watergate, I mean, some Republicans hung on with with Nixon maybe too long, but there came a point when the evidence was undeniable, smoking gun tape. They went and they, you know, Barry Goldwater and others went to Nixon and said, "Sorry, we can't stand by you anymore." The Republican Party turned on him, and soon after that. He did resign. But that's almost inconceivable with this Republican Party. And it's, you know, and it's not just because of the gutlessness of the individuals like Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell, who are indeed gutless on this on the on this front, but it's because the base of the party has become so radicalized and sort of self-weaponized that if you were to turn on Trump as a Republican, you would be losing your career. Look at uh, look at Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger. Look you know, at uh, Elizabeth um, McCain. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. So, know. so I think you know. So, I still think you know Liz Cheney, who I I'm sorry, Liz Cheney, who I disagree yeah. with on almost any policy matter. You know, I still give her credit because she did something that we rarely see. She put in politics. She put her career on the line for. a value that she believed in and she paid a high price for that it's hard i think it's tough to give up a seat if you're at a house yeah. but if you're a person of honor you know you that's what you have to be willing to do and you know the base is crazy the base is crazy and you shouldn't work for crazy people uh so i think sorry anyway i think this is not going away anytime soon you may have to burn out over a long stretch of time and that you're going to still have a trumpy republican party even without Donald Trump. Well, David, thank you so much for your insight. Uh, I certainly recommend everyone go to Mother Jones. Uh, David's columns are just, um, they're they're incredible. Uh, There's nothing else I can say about that. But David, thank you so much for your time today. Good seeing you, my friend. And I promise you, I'm going to need to have you back as more of this bullshit continues to unfold. So thank you as always. And, And thank you, Michael. Let me ask people too to go uh, sign up for my newsletter. It's called Our Land, and you can go to David Corn. that's Corn with a C, davidcorn.com, to get a free trial subscription. Thanks, David. And now for today's mea culpa. The more I watch Donald Trump give his rambling, dicursive interviews on Fox News, the more I understand the strategy. You see, Donald knows that he's guilty. We know that he's guilty. And he knows that we know that he's guilty. But nevertheless, he will attempt to do the same thing that he has done time and time again. Try to convince us that what we know to be true is not true. In addition, he will also try and make us think that even if he did do what the DOJ is alleging, well, 
What's the big fucking deal? It was just a bunch of papers mixed up with my golf shit. I was a busy man, so fuck you, sue me. And finally, Hillary Clinton did the same thing with all the emails that she kept. And why is she not in prison? So sure, maybe I kept a few documents, but so did everyone else. Why are you going after Donald Trump? Well, it's because you hate MAGA and want to jail conservatives. I mean, folks, this is a ludicrous fucking form of whitewashing. But Donald only has to convince one juror that this case is the case. And he's not appealing to all of America. Trump is appealing to South Florida and the 12 men and women who will sit on the jury. He needs only one to side with him for there to be a mistrial or a hung jury. And that, folks, is what this is all about. Trump's only hope to avoid prison is to flip just one juror. And you know what? The fucking psycho thinks that he could do it. It's the reason why he didn't take a plea deal when it was offered. But you know what? Here's the funny shit. Jack Smith knows this too, and he's playing a long game against Trump. So please don't believe the lies and the bullshit that you heard or that you're going to hear. The man is a menace, and the man is a menace who belongs behind bars. The evidence this week that was released by the DOJ proves that he knows this to be true. And he's going to fight every which way but loose. He's going to try to delay, delay, delay as much as he can in order to prevent the day of reckoning. But again, we're not going to let it happen. And as always, thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelen. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. (laughs) 